0: You're listening to a message from Spindle City Vineyard. Connect with us or find out more at spindlecityvineyard.com. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Imani. Hello. Hello. That is a, it's a lovely name that my mother gave me. Um, uh, I am a pastoral, pastoral intern here. I'm also a worship leader on the worship team with Dan. And I love Jesus. That's it. He, because he loved me first, and he loved us all first. And it is an honor to be here this lovely morning. It's an honor to see all of your beautiful faces. Uh, I never know. Like, when I come in on a Sunday, like, I, it'll literally just be, like, me and Barb. And I'm like, where is everybody? And then by the end of worship, it's like all these beautiful faces are here. So it's really nice. Um, so the month of August has been kind of like, um, a, a good mixture of things that you would kind of say are like good discipleship points. So Dan was talking about evangelism, because that's a good thing that we should do as disciples of Jesus. Johanna was kind of talking about being, you know, justice and being, um, be, trusting God and being obedient to where he's calling you. And that is a great thing to, to discuss, especially um, when we're talking about being disciples of Jesus. I really couldn't nail down something I want to talk about and I said well why don't I just talk about Jesus because why wouldn't we talk about Jesus when talking about discipleship he is the main reason that we do everything so I'm gonna talk about Jesus this morning and uh, as I I normally bring my goat Bible but I brought my old-school big thick study Bible this morning because we're gonna go we're gonna read the Word of God this morning so uh, um, I always, I like, I have, hello online. Um, I normally talk about, if you've not seen me preach before, one of my friends brought me this very expensive Bible that has goatskin skin as, like, the cover. It was, like, very expensive, and it's like, I don't like to even bring it out in my house because I'm afraid if I leave it somewhere, I would feel terrible. But I like to bring it and tell people what is in this Bible is way more important than anything that I will ever say, that anyone will ever say on Facebook on any pulpit, on anything, and it is just important for you to do the reading and the understanding of this on your own. So just wanted to reiterate that. Please read your Bibles. I know sometimes it's like hard and you're like, I don't really understand, and that's okay. Read it anyway. The Holy Spirit will reveal it, it. or you can find something easier in there that you can actually understand and just start there. That's fine, that's where I started. I'd be like, let me go find something easy to read, and then it just kind of expanded. So anyways, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. I don't really know where the Holy Spirit's going to land on this, but we'll just see how it goes. So let's pray. <sighs> Holy Spirit, you are here. And we just thank you that we can, land, we can conga line and dance in your light. We thank you that we can have freedom in your name, Jesus. We thank you that we just thank you that you hold us together. I know that I'm coming from a really interesting week. I know that a lot of people that are here are coming from a lot, but, Lord, you you know everything, and you know exactly what we need, and you are what we need. So we open our hearts and we open our minds to what you're going to tell us through your word. We open our hearts and we open our minds to what you're going to minister to us in our hearts, Lord. And may we just leave here completely transformed by your power and by your glory, and by who you are, Jesus. Open our hearts and our minds to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Are there, is there anyone in here that's under the age of 18? That's, raise your hand if you're under the age of 18. All right. Jim, put your hand down. Um, all right, my two youths. All right, so I have a challenge. I forgot the snacks. So, oh, okay. Well, three, okay. So I, I forgot the snacks. Normally I, I bribe the youths to listen to me and I give them snacks. But I forgot the snacks. So because there's only three of you, I happen to have $3 bills in my wallet. Yeah. So uh, um, if you guys, um, if you can throw up the snacks for facts, um, if you can come up to me at the end of service, and uh, let me know, one, what did you learn about God? Two, what did you learn about yourself? And three, what did you learn about the world we live in? If you can give me just those facts, you can have one nice crisp dollar bill that'll get you halfway to a Snickers bar if you want it, because the dollar doesn't do a lot as much as it used to. Um, But if you don't want to, that's fine, but I think that would be great. So, Okay, and if you're over the age of 18, you, you can still answer those questions, but you're not getting any of my money. So, um, <laughs> um, so today we're going to read out of John 4. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you can get one in your seat back. If you have one on your phone, because we, we're going to be, like I said, we're going to be reading out of the Word this morning. And this, is, um, this, this particular story is one that some people might be familiar with, and some of us might not. And uh, I, wanted to, I, like to, I wanted to focus on just who Jesus is and what he brings because I think no matter where you are with your walk with God, um, whether you don't believe in him, whether you do believe in him, whether you've been, with, you've been believing in him forever, I think it's just important for us to just focus our minds back on who Jesus is and focus on, back on the gifts that he does bring to us and who he is. And uh, this is the story of the woman at the well. It's, again, it can be very familiar to some of us. It might not be. And uh, I'm just gonna assume that a lot of people don't, that the people in this room don't because I think it's good to just look at it with fresh eyes. And so I'm gonna read and then we're gonna go back and we're gonna break down some things and then we're gonna read it again and then we're gonna hopefully land wherever the Holy Spirit wants us to land. Is that okay? Okay, so I have it in my Bible, but I'm going to actually just read it off of here because it's big. So we're going to just go John 4, and we're going to start at the top, verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone gone to the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, "'You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. "'How can you ask me for a drink? "'For Jews did not associate with Samaritans.' "'Jesus answered her, "'If you knew the gift of God "'and who it is that asks you for a drink, "'you would have asked him, "'and he would have given you living water. "'Sir,' the woman said, "'you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. "'Where can I get this living water?' Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank, it, drank from it from himself, and also did and also and did also his sons and livestock? Jesus answered, "Everyone who drinks this water who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life." And the woman said to him, "'Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty "'and have to keep coming back here to draw water.' And he told her, "'Go call your husband and come back.' "'I have no husband,' she replied. Jesus said to her, "'You are right when you say you have no husband. "'The fact is you have had five husbands, "'and the man you have now is not your husband. "'What you have said is quite true.' sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. (laughs) Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, yet we worship what we do know, for, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kinds of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he? I'm going to stop there for a second. So when we first read this, and this is a completely rhetorical question because sometimes when I ask questions, people like to yell things out. So this is just a personal, internal question. After reading this passage, what did you see and learn about Jesus? Who is he? Think about it. And then the second question, what does Jesus bring? So the reason that I wanted to read that first and ask that question is because sometimes I know when I read the Bible, I don't really know what the context is. So I'll like take something out of it and be like, oh yeah, Jesus is the living water, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, that's good, that's really good, that's not wrong. But if you know the context and the culture of what is happening here, you'll see that the text is so much richer than what we even even expected. So uh, I was thinking, who here has watched the show Friends? I feel like everyone in this show, everyone's at least seen one episode of Friends. Now, Friends, like the show Friends. So no one told you last month, you know that song? Okay. So, um, but, okay, so there's an episode of Friends. I promise I'm getting somewhere. So there's an episode of Friends where Monica and Chandler, they're two of the friends, they're dating, and they're secretly dating and uh the rest of the friends kind of know that they're dating but no one wants to tell anyone that they're like they that they know so this whole episode is about everyone saying like they don't know that we know that i know that we know like it's just like everyone's skirting around the thing but they won't actually say the thing and i was when i was thinking about this i was like There are things in this text that Jesus knows, but we don't know because we're in this culture. And then there's things that we know, but the Samaritan woman doesn't know. And then there's things that, like, there's just so many things that we don't know and they don't know and all the things. And I was like, oh, it's like that episode of Friends. So we're going to talk about some things that maybe Jesus knew. Actually, Jesus knew everything because he's God, so he knew it all. Um, But we might not know first reading this text. And then, so I'm going to read, so I'm just going to go over a couple of things that we might not know. Firstly, and when I did these slides, it was on Tuesday and I didn't come up with this concept. So it says snack back to reality, but really this is, we don't know. This is the things that we're supposed to be knowing. So the first thing is the rivalries. So as the text said, Jews and Samaritans did not associate with each other. They had like beef, like like deep cut, super like racial, religious, like cultural beef. And it stemmed all the way back from when, when, when um, Israel was in captivity and the Samaritans were the children of the Jews that were kind of intermarried. So they're kind of biracial and multiracial. And then you had the Judeans who were just pure, just like they did not intermarry and they were just pure Jew. So uh, what happened was they got back to, when they, came from at back, when they came back from captivity, they were like, we need to build our temple. We need to build a temple to God. So the Judeans were like, we're going to do it. We're going to do it right back in Jerusalem where it should be. And the Samaritans were like, yeah, let's help you. And the Jewish people at the time were like, no, we don't want your help. And they were like, why not? And they're like, well, because you're not fully Jewish. You're, you're actually, you're, 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 you're multiracial. We don't want your help. So very racist, very bad. Um, so this causes the Samaritans to be like, okay, bet. We're going to build our own temple on our own mountain and we're going to worship our God. we're going to worship God there and we'll see who's better and they've had this heavy beef since then so it's to the point that in Jewish law if you touch anything a Samaritan touches you're considered unclean like it's serious so you have Jesus talking to this Samaritan woman he is fully Jewish she is fully Samaritan and they got beef it's like I, I can't I don't know what to equate it to and I'm not gonna cuz I might offend some people. It's like Bloods and Crips. Okay, it's like that. It's like Jesus like it's like the Bloods and Crips they're talking and they're just having a nice little conversation. Like it's it's problematic. But Jesus doesn't care. We're getting there. We're getting there, Jen. Jen's about to preach out here. Okay. But okay, so this is something that we have to take in consideration when we're reading the text. The second thing is that men don't just talk to women in public. That's just not like a thing. I know like now it's like, you know, if a guy comes up to me, I'm like, get away from me. But at the same time, he can talk to me. It's not like a weird thing. Yes, I'll I'll be nice. But that's like, yes. But back then, that was just not a thing. Women had like no rights whatsoever. Especially rights to divorce. They couldn't, they just couldn't just, they were just at the mercy of the patriarchy. And uh, when we look at the fact that this woman had five husbands, that's insane. Like, especially for a woman back then because again, women did not have rights. So I was, I kind of want to break it down in this way because it's odd, it's also odd if we look at the culture, it's odd that she was out drawing water from the well at noon by herself because normally women at that time would go in groups at the beginning of the day because they're in the middle of the desert and it's mad hot. You know how hot it gets here. Can you imagine being in the middle of like the desert? So they go in the, they go normally in the daytime, like the the morning time, so because it's cool, they go in groups, they have like a good time chatting, blah, blah, blah. But this woman here, she goes by herself at noon when the sun is highest, it's the hottest time, she goes by herself to go draw water from the well. So I was like, well, that's odd. Like, why would she do that? Like, why did they point out that it was noon in the, in the text? And the fact of the matter is, how much shame do you think she had because she had five husbands? Because, I mean, five husbands now, like, to, in this day and age, having five husbands is kind of like, oh, that's, that's a lot. Back then, that was like, girl, that was scandalous. And I was kind of thinking about it too because there's a whole bunch of scenarios that could have happened. She could have been an adulteress and had to got, and her husbands might have had to divorce her five times. Or maybe she didn't even have a choice. Maybe the husbands just didn't want her and they just kept passing her along to another guy. And the guy that she was with at that point, she wasn't even married to which, again, in today's culture is not, like, the worst, but people kind of know, like, ah, oh, you shouldn't really do that. But back then, again, so can you imagine the shame and the guilt and the rejection that this woman is carrying? No wonder she doesn't want to go draw the well with the women in the morning. Can you imagine them being like, oh, here comes, here comes old girl. I wonder what the guy she's living with is saying about this. Or she, maybe she just didn't want to deal with her own stuff. So when we know certain backgrounds, and certain cultural things, certain, um, just, when we put the humanity back into the text, it makes the things that Jesus does that much more powerful. Because Jesus knew that this woman had five husbands. Here he is a rabbi, and he's like, I'm gonna talk to this lady. I know she's got five husbands. I know she's living with this guy. I am a Jewish rabbi, and I'm gonna talk to this Samaritan. I'm gonna initiate this conversation with Samaritan. I'm a man, and I'm gonna initiate this conversation with this woman, even though the culture says I'm not supposed to. So again, I'm gonna ask a question. Completely victorical. You don't have to say it out loud. But what are the things in our life that we think Jesus doesn't, like, want to talk to us about? Like, what are the barriers in our life that we think, ah, uh, God doesn't want me because of that? I struggle with God doesn't want me. He wouldn't want to initiate a conversation with me. I'm not good enough. I'm from this type of family. I messed up here or there. I'm depressed. Hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is that Jesus doesn't care. He does not care what you think might be in the way, what culture might say might be in the way, what another Christian person may have said might be in the way. Jesus came to break barriers so that way we could be closer to him. Everything that everything that God has done since the beginning is to break barriers so that way we could be closer to him, so we can have a relationship with him. And there's so many times where we put up the wall and we're like, I struggle with sex. I struggle with drugs. I struggle with gossip, whatever. And we're like, ah, God doesn't want me. But he does. So when I look at this question, Jesus, who is he and what does he bring? Who is Jesus? He is love. Love period. He's true love, healthy love, unconditional love. Because no matter what we do, he's like, let's talk. I want to talk to you. Let's talk about this living water that I can give you. Let's talk about, I don't know, your day. But I also think what's interesting is, I want to hone in on verses 13. So he's having this conversation with this woman and he's explaining the gifts that he can give her. He says, I have this living water and Jesus knows everything about her. And really what he's telling her is like, listen, you have a deep need that I can fill. And she's just kind of not getting it. She's like, uh, how do I know? Like, what do you mean? You don't have anything. You don't have a a bucket to draw this water. What are you talking about? And he finally says, like, if you knew the gift of God and who asked you for a drink, you would have asked him for living water. And then in 13, he goes on to reiterate because he's just saying, like, this is what I can give you. I can fill this need for you. And he says, everyone who drinks this water, this temporary water over here, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So now she's kind of getting like, okay, well, meh, all right. Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty. And what does Jesus say? Go, call your husband, and come back. Ugh. Sometimes we have a deep need and when God calls us to that one thing that we're ashamed, we're like, ah, it's sore, it's sore. I Don't, wanna, don't look at me, I don't want to. But in order for God to meet our deepest needs, we have to fess up to the things that bring us guilt, that bring us shame, that bring us rejection, Because the only way that Jesus can show up as love is if we can be honest about where we're at. And I know for me, I have, ooh, I hate being honest about where I'm at. Ah, because it's ugly and it's messy. And I didn't want to share this story, but this happens every time I'm up here, so I probably will. I have a problem With going for emotionally unavailable men, it's a problem. And it probably comes from my mommy issues and my daddy issues and all the issues in the whole wide world. But for a very long time, I was always like, Lord, I surrender. I'm going to give you everything. And he'd be like, give me your dating life. And I'm like, uh!" because I can control that. I can, if, you know, I'm like, oh, no, 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 this guy's different. And this is, you know, I don't want you to touch this, Lord. Like, I got this. And he was like, okay. And every time I would get hurt, I would do something that made me shameful. I would get guilty. I would be getting in, like, I would just be a spiraling cyclic, cyclical circle all over and over and over again. I'm like, Lord, why? And he's just like, give me your dating life. And I'm like, ah. But the fact of the matter is, I couldn't let Jesus show up for me in this broken part of myself because I wasn't willing to fess it up to him or just give it to him. And for the fact that I can even say I went for emotionally unavailable men, that's like, that's a miracle in itself because for a long time I'm just like, oh. I can fix them, it's fine. Like, you know, you know how it is. Like, oh, they're not emotionally unavailable. They're just, you know, they're dealing with their own stuff, but I'm here for them all along. Enough about me, I don't want to talk about it. So anyways. Jesus says, go call your husband. And in that moment, she could have just been like, ah, I don't want to deal with this. I'm good. Thank you, Jesus. Have a great day. I'm going to go back to the town. But she doesn't. She's honest with him. She says, I have no husband. And then he goes to the heart of it and says, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. And when I used to read this text, I kind of was like, oh, Jesus is calling her out on her stuff, like, go, oh, Jesus, like, because, you know, toxic. So I'm like, go, oh, Jesus, Connor, and stuff. But the more that I've read this over the years, I think Jesus was saying this with such compassion and empathy for her. Like, you're right when you say you have no husbands. In fact, you've had five husbands. And the, the man you're living with is not your husband. What you said is True. And I just wonder how many times we're afraid to bring something or God shows us something in our lives and we think he's saying it in a, condom, a condemning way of like, oh, I'm calling you on yourself." when really he's like, daughter, I see that you keep getting hurt by these men. I see that you keep getting rejected. I see that life has just keeps bringing you pain after pain after pain. What you have said is true. I see it. I hurt with you in it. And again, like, there's been plenty of times where the Lord has pointed out something to me and I immediately just like, nope, don't want it, don't want to deal with it, don't want to talk about it. But I think it's just so brave of the Samaritan woman to stay. She had every right to just go. Here's this strange Jewish man talking to me at the well. I'm just trying to get my water. Like, she could have just gone and done whatever she wanted, like, bye, deuces, I'm, I'm, I'm good. But she stays. And they have this conversation, and through the conversation, he reveals, and he has not revealed this to a lot of people, he reveals that he's the Messiah to a woman who is an enemy of his, who has five husbands, a scandalous woman, because she was honest with where she was at. And she knew that her soul needed something else. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to give this Jesus, this Jesus guy a chance. And when she was able to sit in it, because can you imagine how painful it is? You know how painful it is when someone calls you out when they're like, I see into your soul, and you're like, huh, like, that's a painful thing. But she sat in the pain, and she sat in the discomfort, and it was in that pain and discomfort that Jesus was able to show up and say, I am he, I am the Messiah. And we didn't read this verse, but if we went, if we go back to the text and go to verse 28, It says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Minutes ago, we had a woman who was afraid to go draw well with the other ladies. Now she goes into the middle of town square and is telling her business. She was like, come see a man that told me everything I do. And, and she's not saying it with shame or guilt or rejection. She's saying, this guy told me everything I ever did. This might be the Messiah. Jesus freed her from the guilt of her story. Jesus filled, freed her from the shame of her story. Jesus freed her from this hurt and rejection where she wanted to isolate herself from everyone. Instead, she goes straight into the, the middle of everyone like, hey! Hey! Everybody, come look at me. This guy's out here. We got to go talk to this man. Why? She let Jesus show up as himself because she was honest with where she was at. I'm going to stop there. I had a different shirt that I was gonna wear today, but this one's wrinkled, but I I think it it goes for what we're gonna talk about. Jesus is love and Jesus brings freedom. Period. Period. And there's so many, a lot of us may may know this, like we just might know We might know this. And it's funny, later on in the text, the Samaritans, they end up, you know, accepting Jesus, and they say to the woman, at first we were going off of your testimony, but now we know because we have experienced Jesus, and we know that he is who he says he is. And I can be up here, and I can tell you all day long who Jesus is to me, but the fact of the matter is, Jesus is here, and He can show up, and you can experience Him for yourself. You can experience freedom. You can experience love. You can experience healing. But we have to be honest about where we're at. We can't. We don't have to. We can't care about what other people think about us. Oh my gosh! If they, if you know, Barb knew that I struggled with. If Dan knew that I, blah, 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 it doesn't matter. Jesus doesn't care. If Jesus doesn't care, forget the rest. And I just want to encourage, implore, I don't know. The heaviness of this is that there are things in our lives that we're afraid to look at, and Jesus is saying, don't be afraid, I'm here. Don't be afraid I got you, but I can't get you until we are real with it. Go call your husband. Go call your husband. So I want to take a second before we go into ministry time. Close your eyes. I just want everyone just to take a deep breath. And then take another one and just hold it for a second. And then just breathe out very slowly. And let yourself, if you're tense, just let yourself, let your jaw soften and let your shoulders relax. Jesus is in the room right now. And I just want you to imagine you and him sitting down, having a conversation. It could be in your favorite coffee shop it could be in your kitchen it could be on a boat it could be by the beach but wherever it is that you this is you and jesus's kind of safe space and i just want you to ask him jesus what is it what am i scared to talk to you about What am I scared of? What is bringing me shame? What is bringing me guilt? What is bringing me rejection? And just pause and let him answer that for you.